Caroler there for a minute. Hey, Luke uh, chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. We're going to read about the uh, shepherds. Very familiar verses, but I still want us to look at them and, and find out what's going on here and learn something from it. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. This is after Christ, you know, this is at the time of the birth of Christ, and it breaks in here and says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, my wife and I stood right outside of Bethlehem, up on a mountain, kind of, not, not a big mountain, and looked down in, and they pointed out to us that this was probably where the shepherds were keeping their flocks. They were tending to their flocks, right? You, you could just kind of see it. In fact, you could see some shepherds out there that had flocks of sheep with them, and they were right there. <clears throat> so, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. <clears throat> now, I, I, I don't know if I have been sore afraid, but that sounds like really afraid, don't you? And the, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be <clears throat> a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there <clears throat> was with the angel <clears throat> a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into, unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Shall we pray? <clears throat> Father, I would pray that uh, we might learn a little bit about you from these shepherds and from the angels and from the announcement that, Father, we might uh, determine to walk with you and to please you and to listen to you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my sisters, I have five of them, as we were growing up, we referred to her as an airhead. Anybody know what an airhead is? By the way, Carrie, where's she at? It, it wasn't your mother, okay? Because it, it always seemed like when we were doing something or telling a joke or, or, or whatever, she'd say, what happened? Or I don't get it, you know? And she just didn't get it. You probably don't know anybody like that, do you? Yeah, there, there are people like that. You know what? I got a challenge for you. 
Learn it from these shepherds. It goes like this. Find out what God's doing in your neighborhood, in your life, in your home. Find out what God's doing and get in on it. That means that you got to be looking. You got to be thinking. You know, you got to be watching. I think about that and I think about these shepherds being there and getting the announcement of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know if there was anything that really qualified them for that, but they sure knew what was going on. You see, they were, they were listening. Now, there, there were other folks in the neighborhood. There were some merchants there. They thought they knew what was going on. They were minding their store, they were doing their business, and they were taking care of things, and, you know, and, and, you know, sort of had the attitude, you know, if it's got to be, it's up to me, and that kind of thinking, and, but they didn't know what was going on. And there were some officers, Roman officers probably in the area, they didn't know what was going on. There were probably some soldiers in the area because they're not far from Jerusalem and, and because the Romans were in control there, I'm sure there were some soldiers around. They didn't have a clue. There were even some religious leaders who didn't have, well, I won't say they didn't have a clue, they just didn't care. We talked about them this morning. They were the, the, the scribes and, and the priests, the high priests that, that told the others how to get there but didn't want to go there themselves. You know why they didn't go? They didn't care and they didn't know what was going on. You know, if they would have known what was really happening there, I think they would have got in on it, don't you? But they didn't know. They never knew what was going on. But God revealed that to the shepherds. He said, hey, here's what's going on. Now, you know what was important there? They believed it. They said, hey, let's now go see this thing which has come to pass. They bought in all the way and they believed it. And then they acted upon it. You know, there's some things we can learn from this. And one of them, I think, the, a major lesson is be careful be aware of uh, beware of might be a better way to say it. beware of self-centered living when people are all wrapped up in themselves and they're always asking what's in it for me and how come I didn't hear and how come I didn't get it and and, and it's all wrapped up in themselves and and you've met them haven't you you start to tell them something and they'll interrupt you to tell you about themselves. Some people I get tired of listening to. Maybe you do too. Because it seems all they ever talk about is what they do. You know what happens when you get like that? You don't know what's going on. You don't have a clue. Hey, fellas. Be careful of self-centeredness. Why? Why? Because your wife has things to say to you that you'll never hear as long as you're stuck on yourself. You see, you got to take time to listen. But that's not just a wife problem. I think husbands have things to say 
that wives would hear a lot more if they would take time and pay attention and listen. But we have a tendency to get into this thing of, listen, what do I get? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to take my side? I'm right. And I'm telling you, when you're like that, you will have some trouble in your relationships. You won't hear people when they talk to you. And you probably won't get to see God working. You see, what I want you to do instead of that is just kind of be alert to what God's doing. You know, there's some things in my life I wish I had to do over. Not so much that I would do them different, but that I would be more aware. I mean, we had this wonderful privilege in our home to raise these four kids. And when Ken, I'm glad he's not here, when Ken was just a little guy, if you've seen Seth, he looks a lot like Ken did when he was little, only Ken had white hair. And this little guy sitting on my lap is so kind and so nice. Whoever dreamed what God was doing in his life, or Jeff, or Kel, or Jackie, who knows what God's doing. If I had it to do over, I would try to be more aware of what God was doing all the time. And I'll be honest with you, I'd rock them more. I liked rocking. I can remember one time a picture in my mind of me sitting in a rocking chair, rocking all three boys at once. You know, I, I, I do that. But be aware of what's going on. Be aware of, of what God is doing around you. Begin to see things as the hand of God at work. Instead of, let me tell you about my lucky day. Or, let me tell you what I did. I'm going to tell you how good I am. Begin to see the hand of God at work. Folks, Christians don't live with luck. We live and we survive and we accomplish because of the providence and the goodness of God. And so you can't ever say, you know, like little Jack Horner sat in the corner eating his Christmas pie and he stuck in his thumb, remember that, and pulled out a plum and said, what a good boy am I? Hey, that's not true. That's not true. Listen, when it comes to Christian living, you need to see God everywhere. Do you know why you didn't get in an accident, and I'm not even sure I want to call it that, on, on the way home this afternoon? Because God was watching out for you. He was taking care of you. Do you know why you are still breathing? Because God's taking care of you. You see, if you will open your eyes and I open my eyes and we start looking, we'll see God everywhere. Now, I know that's sure. I'll, I'll die at the stake. I'll burn at the stake for that one. You know why? Because God says that we can know that just about everything works together for good. Is that what it says? No, we know that how many things? Say it. All things. All things. Nothing is outside of his working in my life and your life. The only thing we need to do is be alert to it. As we look at these angels, there are 
some truths I want to gather with you. And uh, at what God did here with the, with the shepherds, I mean. And that is this. It seems throughout Scripture that God's good news is revealed to the humble. Now, we have the Word of God, and He's revealed that to us, but God works with the humble. God works with those who have a right view of self. In fact, the Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So I'm not just making this up. It really is true. You know, we need to humble ourselves sometimes. And when I think of all of the people in Israel that God could have used to reveal his son through, or I mean to reveal uh, this birth of his son, he could have went to the scribes, you know, the scholars, the brains, you know, the people who knew the scripture backwards and forwards, but he didn't go there. He could have went to the wealthy to make sure his child would be taken care of as he was growing up, but he didn't go there. He could have went to those who were politically correct in his day, but he didn't go there. He sent his angels to the shepherds. I think part of that is because of their humility. And I think that God likes to work with people who will humble themselves, who will be faithful, who will be content, who will be alert. Those are the people that God wants to work with. Why? Have you ever tried to talk to a proud person? They won't listen. I mean, I mean, when you start talking to them, they, they get busy wanting to tell you about themselves or what they've done, and they really don't care about your ideas. They've got their own locked in their head, and maybe God doesn't want to work with the proud because they won't listen. Maybe God wants to work with the humble because they're waiting and they're willing to listen. Hey, guys, you want to test in humility? I don't know how this part works from from the, the husband to the wife, but I know how it works from the wife to the husband. And that is, you know, when my wife points out one of my faults, she found one one year. <laughs> my wife points out one of my faults. Do you know what I have a tendency to do? Just stand up and <laughs> defend myself and make sure she knows it's not a fault and and and, and, and my pride jumps up in there and, and and I just don't want her there. I don't want to listen. But God says if you're gonna learn, you're gonna have to humble yourself. Now here's something else about those shepherds that I think is worth looking at. I believe, and I'm not putting too much on this, but I think it's there. These shepherds were faithful in their ordinary job. You see, God doesn't want us sitting around in a rocking chair waiting for him to call us to do something. He wants us to do something now. He wants us to take, as he said to Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses had that staff in his hand, and, and that's what God used. He didn't say, Moses, I want you to go get an army. He said, what have you got? 
And God wants to use us. He just wants to know, what do you have? There's not a person in this room, if you're a Christian, who cannot do something for God. But he wants you to be faithful in ordinary tasks. Do you know what God likes? One of the things he delights in? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. A part of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. God wants us to be faithful. Faithful to the task. Faithful to the church. Faithful to the Lord. Faithful to your mate. Faithful to your children and your parents. He wants us to be faithful because he delights in that. That's one of the things that pleases him. God doesn't get excited about your dreams. He gets excited about your faithfulness. Sometimes I listen to people, and I remember in Bible college, I used to hear a lot of them, and they were talking about what they were going to do, you know. Oh, man, I am going to get out of here. I can't wait to get out of school. I am going to go, and I'm going to do this and this and this. And, you know, they weren't worth a dime in school. I mean, they really weren't. They weren't good students. Some of them, I won't go into that. Some of them were real problems. Not all of them, but some of them were. They were talking about what they're going to do. God isn't interested in what you're going to do. He'll take care of that. He wants you to do what you have to do today and do it well. You see, if he wants to direct you somewhere else, the way he's going to do it is as you're doing something. I've often said that a ship in dry dock you can turn that wheel all you want, and it's not going anywhere. But you take that ship and you put it out in the ocean, and to get it moving, and you turn that wheel, and folks, it'll change course. And God's in the business of changing and directing the lives of people who are already doing something. That's so neat. Here's another thing that I think is interesting that comes from these shepherds. And that is, when they got to the manger, they found out the songs and the message were true. They were told, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And there the baby was. It was a tangible thing. It was visible. You see, God isn't trying to give us secrets. He's trying to give us messages. He's not saying, okay, here, I'm going to give you this book, and I dare you to figure it out. He didn't give it to us that way. He gave it to us so we could understand it. It's not God's secrets. It's God's revelation. The only reason I have people say to me, well, well I just don't understand the Bible. I guess I'm too soft, but I would like to say, do you read it? Because quite frankly, you'll never understand it if you don't read it. And if they say yes, I'll say, well, how often? You see. And then where? And then I might try to encourage them to read it more and to help them know how to read it. But you see, God is dealing with tangible, visible uh, things, and he's dealing with a real message in our hands. You don't have to have some angel come and talk to you. You don't have to have some special message from some weird spirit out there. Because here's the message. You don't need any more than this. It was a simple, clear thing. It was a manger. 
I, I mean, you, you can visualize the manger. We, we know that it was probably in a cave and it was probably a, a stone place, uh, you know, that was ground out or rounded out where they could put the hay in. But it doesn't matter. They found it. And it was real and it was visible. And there was a babe and there was the clothes. You know what I think? I think you can take God at his word. And I think that if you open your eyes, you will see that his word is sure. Can I say something to you, personal? I've been uh, pastoring for 30 years and studying for about five more. And here's what I figured out. It works. <laughs> Isn't that profound? It works. Now, I'm not sure I could have told you that about one or two or three years into the pastorate. I was preaching the gospel. I believed it. But, but you know, I hadn't been through a lot of stuff. And I'm here to tell you today that it works. I mean, it really works. You may not see it work today, but it works. You may commit yourself for your life to Christ, you know, and, 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 and five years later you're saying, I'm, I'm not sure if this pays. You know, you don't quite see it yet. You're still struggling. You know why you keep going? You just believe God. That doesn't mean that you see it all the time. But God promises in his word that he will allow us to see it. And I'm telling you, it works. I had a wedding here last night, and you all know that the, uh, the, the challenge that I, I give to the couples, I always use the same one until I come up with a better one. And it's a, the first time I ever used it was on Ken, and it seems to be working. But anyway, <laughs> it was, you know, commit yourself to God, to one another, and to growth. Now listen, I'll tell you that I guarantee I mean, without reservation, that if two people, husband and wife, will commit themselves to God, by that I mean his word, his son, his spirit, his church, if they will commit themselves to God, commit themselves to one another, to the point of it is impossible to get them apart. One of them is going to have to die before they separate. And number three, if they will commit themselves to growth, I will guarantee them a successful, good marriage. You know why I can say that? It works. See, when you commit yourself to God and you start doing it his way, and you get yourself out of the way, here's what happens. God has a problem. He makes promises. He says, you obey me, I'll bless you. And he gives us instructions. And, and, and so we can expect it to work. Folks, uh, I, I, it works. And if you look around, you'll see it works. Like a changed life. Anybody here have a changed life? Amen. It is the Lord. A changed life. And a new desire. The, the things you once hated, you find that now you love. And the things you once loved, you find now that you hate. You know, I, I'm reminded of uh, my friend John Bassler, and I've told you some of you this before, but when he got saved, this was about 30 years ago, 
but I, I was at his house. And he, got, and he got saved, and we were talking, and he said, I'm going to tell you a thing, one thing right now. I said, what's that? He says, if you tell me I have to quit the Masons, I'm not going to church. He, he was a Mason, really involved. I said, John, I'm not going to tell you you have to quit the Masons. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You're a child of God. And as you grow and as you discover God and you get involved in the church, you won't want to go. And you'll go to church. So I told him that, you know, and he said, well, we'll see. I mean, he was sold out on the Masons. A year later, I was teaching a class, and I said the very same thing. I said, here, the things you once hated, now you love, and the things you once loved, now you hate. He's the pastor. He said, can I say something? I, I said, yeah, it's only a year later. He said, pastor, that's true. <laughs> he said, I haven't been to a Mason's meeting in nine months, and I don't care if I ever go again. You see, you get a new want to. You get a new desire. You get new goals. I think that when you see that, a new desire, a new peace, a new joy, new relationships, new fulfillment, you get those things. You can see them happening. You know, one of the things God gives us as believers is peace. Now, we're not born again with peace. We have peace potential. But as we study the Word of God and we begin to see Him work, we have peace. You know, when my parents died, um, I tell you, I loved them. <laughs> they were wonderful parents. One died, uh, my, my uh, father died, and then several years later, my mother died, and, 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 and it was tough. And I had the privilege of, because they asked me to, of speaking at their funeral. But it wasn't hard, because they're with the Lord. And I just shared, shared that with people. You know what? I, I didn't have to go into all kinds of, you know, fits and, and everything. You know, I, I felt something. I, I, I cried when I saw my dad for the first time in the casket. And then I realized he wasn't there anyway. And so I felt kind of bad. But God gives Christians peace in a lot of situations where the world doesn't have peace. Funeral director called me one day and pastor, he said, we have a funeral. I said, well, yeah, if you want me to, I will. He said, it's over in Swartz Creek. I said, okay. He said, uh, these people are in a cult. I said, what are you calling me for? He said, I thought you could do them some good. So I went over there and I saw more weeping and wailing and carrying on than I ever saw at any funeral. You know, I, I shared the good news with them. But it was, it was so sad because they didn't have this peace. Now here's something else. A casualty, a crisis, you know, some thing comes into your life out of the blue. And for a few minutes it bowls you over, maybe even a couple days or whatever. But as a believer, as you walk with the Lord, you realize somewhere along the line, wait a minute, God's in this. I'm not going to let this do this to me. Because God's in it. And God's up to something and he's up to something good. And I just want to get in on it. So I'm telling you that God, his message is true. 
And if you look for it, you'll see it. Okay? Now, here's one other thing that I think is really important for you and me. The, uh, the angels delivered the message. They delivered the message. It's, man, what a mountaintop experience. I mean, for me and you, it'd kind of be nice to be there. And the more you know about music, the more you'd like to be there. And you would appreciate what's going on in this host of angels singing and praising God and the light and everything. I mean, you talk about a mountaintop experience. And then they left. And when they left, the lights went out. When they left, it was dark again. When they left, it, it was all quiet again. There was one thing they left that's always there. Jesus. You see, the Lord remained. The angels left, but the Lord remained. Often, sometimes, you hear a great message and you get all excited and pumped up and maybe you make a commitment and you won't do that in this church but I mean you hear a good message somewhere else and, and, and you get all pumped up and all excited and oh wow that you know you think you're on a mountaintop I'm going to tell you what within a day or two or a week the lights will go out you know and a lot of the emotion is all gone but do you have Jesus do you have Christ as your Savior? Do you have Him in your heart? Is He the Lord of your life? Because when all is said and done, all that matters is that Christ is there. That's all that matters. You know, it's good to celebrate the birth of Christ. It's good to remember the death and the resurrection. I think today it's even better to know that he's here with you and in you and you're never alone. The truth that Christ is with you is better than angels singing. It's better than a light from heaven. It's better than visions. It's better than good feelings. It's this fact that Christ is with you. He's always there. The angels are gone, but Jesus remains. Isn't that nice to know that? When you walk out of here today, you don't need an angel. You already have the boss. You already have Jesus. Let's stand together and pray, and we'll be dismissed. Find out what's going on in your neck of the woods. Find out what God's doing and get in on it. Father, thank you for who you are and how you work and what you do. Thank you for teaching us. But Father, thank you most of all for sending your son who lived on this earth for us. And he died for us. And he rose for us. And by his spirit, he lives within us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.